Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Hello, welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, the podcast that brings practitioners, leaders, researchers, and big thinkers right to your device. I'm Jamie Saponaro, and I'm here with my podcast partner, Jerry. How are you, Jerry? I am doing great, Jamie. Well, I'm excited about today. Uh, we're bringing back a friend who we've seen before, but uh, because our topic is global pandemic silver linings. So students around the world, we know, have really been struggling to adapt. Um, have had some hard times in remote learning. But in many cases, however, there have been some students who have been thriving. Um, Jerry, we've been talking about this um, internally with meetings and then also on some of our podcasts. Absolutely. And I love that we're bringing people in from all around the world today to talk about this, because sometimes I think we get a little myopic and we just think about what's happening in the United States, but it's good to know what's happening all over the world. And today we have guests from the UK, Austria, and Nigeria. And it's, you know, as a former social studies teacher, nothing excites me more than to have global conversations with people. And I love that we can use Zoom to connect to connect ourselves to the world. So um, we're going to start out by having our guests introduce themselves, tell us just a little bit about their role, where they are, and then we'll get into the conversation. So Christine, if you don't mind, we will begin with you. Sure, yeah. My name is Christine, and I work in Vienna, Austria at the International Christian School of Vienna. And I started there as a third grade teacher and then four years ago transitioned into curriculum and assessment coordinator. And what that's looked like this year is really being a tech coordinator as well and promoting educational technology at our school. Oh, sure. Thank you. Mark? Mark's told us already before. I'm glad to have Mark back. He is, yes. It's great to be back. No, thanks for inviting me back. Um, so yeah, my name's Mark. Uh, I'm the, the head of digital learning at the Hawthorne School, uh, which is a, a prep school in Surrey, uh, United Kingdom. Um, and, and my role is, is sort of leading the, the digital strategy. So um, sort of planning and coordinating it uh, as it rolls through, but also training up staff and uh, leading sessions to, to look at how technology can be used to, to improve the, the teaching that goes on within the school. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite a, it's been an exciting, exciting role. Um, I took it on a couple of years ago. So uh, what a time to take it on really. Yeah, so you took it on pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, yeah. So it's about a year, I had about a year just before COVID, um, wow. where we were making starts, and then yeah, COVID <laughs> happened. And they ramped you up. Yes, certainly did. Yes. Well, welcome, Mark and Kenneth. Kenneth is my name. Um, so I'm the director with Maryland Prestigious International School in Nigeria. So currently, we are like four directors. So my role is more of trying to bring um, extracurricular innovations into the education system and also all the international uh, affiliations and integrations that will improve uh, learning for the students. So our education system cuts across um, kindergarten to secondary. So far for the last, uh, we started six years ago and we've been growing every day from one level to the other. It's been challenging, it's been interesting, and it's been fun. 
I, I bet it has. So all of you were in your positions pre-COVID and then uh, the learning really ramped up this last year. I was talking to a superintendent yesterday and he said he believes that his PD and professional development and teacher learning was throttled forward an entire decade that COVID yeah, yeah. did more for teacher learning and development than we could have done with millions of dollars. So Christine, can I start with you and ask you how your teachers adapted and moved forward with tech and did you see the same kinds of things? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. We integrated um, a bring your own device program two years before COVID. Um, and at that time we had done like training on like educational technology and we even had, you know, some big names come in and do training with our teachers. But all those things were not really put into practice as effectively as they have in this past year. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that it just forced us to finally apply all those things that we had been learning about. We didn't really have another option. And so at first we were quite reactive um, because you know we were open on Thursday and then Saturday we found out we had to shut our doors on Monday. And so, yeah, we, I mean, it was very reactive but it was this opportunity to finally really apply all the knowledge that our teachers had been learning over these years. Um, and what that really looked like was um, using tech tools, what that looked like for us is that all these tech tools that we had been talking about, um, you know, like Edpuzzle, um, what are some other good ones? Seesaw, um, Screencastify, using that to record yourself teaching. Um, they had all just been in our back pockets as like, oh, let's try this sometimes. They became at the forefront. Um, and even we are a K through 12 school as well. And so our elementary kids weren't really engaging with educational technology to this point. And now it forced them to really, you know, grow exponentially in that area. And I remember it being like being so fascinated by the fact that they just, even though they hadn't had the time in the classroom to work with these tools, they caught on so quick. Um, I just feel like these, these skills are kind of intuitive in this generation right now. So yeah, that was like one of the biggest things that all these things we had in our back pockets, like things that we had learned about and spent all this time training our teachers on, now they really had to put into practice and start using. And it also um, forced them to kind of think about how they were assessing um, because now, you know, the kids had the opportunity to Google. Um, and so we talked about like non-Googleable tests and creating non-Googleable forms of assessment. And that was a huge, huge change. Um, yeah, our, our students started to create um, they're making Google Sites, they're using Adobe Spark to make websites. Um, they are also recording themselves in Screencastify, talking through um, their learning using Flipgrid um, to also reflect and then um, collaborate with others and lots of other tools as well. So yeah, it's just forces to put into practice what we learned about as well as creatively think about how do we authentically assess what our students are doing and how do we do empower students to have a voice and to show what they've learned. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the tools that you talked about actually allow the teacher to see what the kids are thinking and maybe see where things are going awry or where they're really doing well. So I love that we can get 
kind of an eye into how they're thinking and what they're doing, but it sounds like they are doing so much higher level um, thinking than they were before. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yes. That's great. I wondered, Christine, how did you get your parents up to (laughs) the level? Um, So what that looks like is really quickly. Yeah. I became a YouTube sensation. Um, that's what, what happened. Um, I started creating using Screencastify all these tutorial videos. Um, parents were, I was being flooded with emails. I was setting up Google meets with parents, walking them through, sharing my screen, sharing their screen. But yeah, the biggest, um, tool was creating tutorial videos and making a YouTube channel for our school and then directing parents to that, to answer their questions. And whenever a new question came up, I made a new video. So that's great. I also love that parents can go back and watch it a couple of times if they don't get it the first time. So you, you kind of cloned yourself and got yourself out there. (laughs) Yes. Did you also notice that uh, teachers were having like pop-up PDs helping each other uh, out? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Collaboration. You didn't really have a choice anymore. Right. And so, yeah, um, what we started doing was creating these videos once again, on my YouTube channel, um, we call them like what the tech videos. And so they were teachers. I was That's interviewing cute. teachers and sharing with them. And they were getting a chance to share with our greater community what tech tools they were using. And then our teachers would watch these videos and then it would lead them to go and connect with that teacher as well. And to kind of plan out what this could look like in their content area in this lesson that they were doing. Oh, that's great. You, well, you know, we're we're calling this silver linings and I'm hearing two that are huge. The first one is higher level thinking from our students. And the second is staff collaborating authentically. And so talk about two silver linings that we're always working on that just came organically due to the pandemic. Yes. And I love the way that you described how the teachers and the students are really learning in parallel together, um, leveraging the tools that, like you said, were kind of out there. Maybe we'll need them. Maybe we'll use them someday. And now are at the forefront and they are leveraging them um, equally and together. So teachers never need to fear. I don't know how to use that because their students will teach them right away. And I think that was what was going on and I really really think that your point about assessment is right on point because a lot of you know a lot of times when and part of the problem is some of the tech tools right sometimes we say oh great we can use google forms to create this great assessment because it's so easy to grade but if it's easy to grade it's usually not higher order thinking skills that you are trying to extract from the students, right? So I've always kind of felt like, I don't know if that's really the best way for us to use Google Forms, Um, but there are better ways instead. And so now when students are home and can Google answers so that you, you instead now we're thinking as teachers, oh, okay, well maybe I shouldn't create these questions that are low level blooms that are just asking students to spit back information. And maybe we can do some type of question that is a little bit uh, more authentic instead that allows them to dig a little deeper. So 
now I'm, you know, hoping this is something that continues so that, you know, it may not, it may be harder to grade, but you're really getting a much better lens into what the students do and don't know when you're asking them to do these higher level types of questionings instead. Yeah, so I'm glad to see that for sure. Kenneth, I wanted to ask what is happening in your neck of the woods. So in your school, what were some of the challenges that you faced in when the pandemic hit? And how did you overcome those challenges? I think that our experiences were quite different. But first of all, let me, let me just thank you for having me on the show. Uh, to be able to share the little things we are doing from um, Africa. When, when the pandemic hit us, we were absolutely not ready for anything. Even though we, we had in, in school, um, the ICT equipment that we're using for, for learning, but in terms of online activities, we were very far away. So the first challenge was the lockdown. Um, which created an, on a big uncertainty, not knowing when school will resume, not knowing what to plan for. And then came the government announcement that we could start online uh, learning. And then we switched into action by, first of all, trying to determine what are we going to use? A lot of people came up with several options. You could use Zoom, you could use Edmondo, we could do WhatsApp or do YouTube. So at one point we had to settle for the Google Classroom because it, it's incorporated all the, well, virtually most of the things that we needed to, to work with. And then um, we had the problem of computer equipment. Yes, we had the desktop in school, but not everybody had laptops to use at home. And it was difficult to provide laptops for the students. So we had to um, rally around to get some more laptops to assist the teachers. Uh, we were able to uh, get like 65% of teachers, uh, academic teachers um, on board with, uh, with laptops. And then came the problem of internet. You know, in, in, Nigeria, in Nigeria, we the, the internet mostly is metered. For you to pay for unlimited internet, it's, it's very, I think it's, you can, you can make the comparison for yourself. When I, I, I made some analysis for some of the telecom companies, what you're paying for for the students in US um, for $10, $20, $50. In Nigeria, it's like $1,000 when you, when you do the conversion. Yeah, it was for, for an unlimited internet. So it, it was very expensive to, to go for unlimited. So, and again, the teachers, the internet they were using for their personal uh, stuff wasn't enough to support the LMS with all the being online for a long time and doing live videos and live, and live lessons. So we had to find a way to raise some fun to buy um, a mobile, mobile um, gadget for the teachers in order to be able to get um, some more valuable internet for, your, for their use. And then came the problem of power. In some parts of the country where the teachers stay, they, we don't have constant power. So most of the time they depend on their personal um, generating uh, generators in order to provide the power for the number of hours that they needed to work with. So again, we had to support the teachers with some funds to buy petrol uh, in order to be able to um, power up their personal generators. And then, okay, we now felt, okay, we had everything in place. We are, we are good to start. And then, um, we had a big meeting with the parents 
and we had a lot of complaints because some of them also were thrown out of their jobs. They were not ready for additional expenses. Some students didn't have personal computers at home. Mm -hmm. They now had to buy. And some, well, some, of, some of them had uh, internet on their mobiles and internet in the office, but they never had real stable internet at home for the children to use. So some had to do additional investment to get uh, some gadgets in order to be able to get um, internet. So the painful part for us was, even though we were able to kickstart, like maybe 50% of the students could not join because of, um, because of finance, uh, mostly to get um, a new computer for themselves and to be able to get um, internet and, uh, and power. And then, um, then, we, then we started. <laughs> and then <laughs> we now saw that we, we needed a lot of training for the teachers. Like uh, Christine mentioned, to be able to catch up with what is needed to deliver lessons online. Um, thanks to our ICT department, they came up with a lot of uh, packages and training programs. Um, as soon as you finish your, your live lesson, they'll pull you by the side and try to show you where you didn't do well, what new stuff is available, what you could do better. So it, it's, I mean, I'm very grateful to the, the kind of staff that we had. They were working day and night to, to make it happen. So um, again, it became also a, a new avenue to learn new skills. Um, we saw a very big turnaround in the teachers' uh, ICT skills. Some went from low level to being able to uh, create videos, create um, uh, live lessons. Um, then, then come the problem of assessment. After the first two weeks, we now started to give assessments to grade. So we, we didn't even know how to um, set the Google form in order to be able to collect emails and names so you know which students is submitting what. So after the first set of assessment, we, had to, we went back to the table and saw the gaps that we had in order to fill, fill that up. And then we now discovered that, oh, we could add the answers so that the students can see their scores automatically. Okay, we did that. But then some staff didn't get that correctly. And then when the questions were sent out to the students, even when they did the right thing, the computers marked them wrong. And we had a huge complaint from the parent like, oh, but my child got this right. Why is it marked wrong? And then when we investigated, we, we saw that, okay, the teachers act, act, had activated that the answers should be marked. But then he didn't actually add the answers. As such, the computer didn't see the answers to compare. <laughs> so, yeah, so we went back and fixed that. And again, we were whew, up and running. But you know, it, it was challenging, it was, it was fun. And we had a lot of, um, a lot of learning points. And today I could, I could say that we, we have a, a team of staff who are, who are able to do a lot of stuff online with the students now. The parents, you know, they had to assist the, the, their children at home with some of the, the assessment. They also confess to the fact that they also improved their own ICT skills because some of them who were not used to having um, uh, computers at home for the students to, to work with who had to buy, 
and then I had to know how to, you know, connect to internet with the computer, computer and know how to log into Zoom, know how yeah. to <laughs> locate the homework, know how to, you know. So it, it was it was also a learning point for the parents. Absolutely. They all showed a, a great excitement in the program. Kenneth, are you able to get all of your students online now, or do you still have some that are not able to get online and have computer access? We still have some that are not able to get online and have a computer access. Um, not the, so the problem today is not just the computer, but also internet. Um, let's, let, let's say that because for the, on the parent side, most of them have generating sets at home so they could generate their own power. Um, for the computers. Um, but the major problem today, as we see, is the internet. We've been having several meetings with the telecom companies to provide a sub subsidized rate for the education system. In fact, today, I mean, for some reason, I got a call from one of the big telecom companies asking me um, about what challenges we have, how they can assist. I said, whoo, I've been speaking with some of your team for the last few months. We've wow. not gotten, a, gotten any, any response. And we are pleading that at least do something for the students. We have a lot of resources online that our students, not only our students, but around Nigeria, that they cannot assess. And if we continue to keep our students at this level, we see a future whereby students are being denied what is available uh, for them to assess around the world. So the lady told me that today, which is a, an exciting news, today they have available for the students 500 megabyte per day for the students to use on LMS website, which is good. But then, but then they, they have it on a few LMS um, websites. I was now asking him, if it could create uh, an avenue for schools to also add some other ones that, are, that they are using, which could also assist the students. So yes, today we still have the limitations, but we see that in the nearest future, um, more and more things are coming up that will help the education system. On our own side, we'll continue to push, we'll continue to dialogue with them and, and see what kind of assistance they can provide to make the, the system um, much better than what we have today. Yeah. Wow. So on my last trip to US, um, I was speaking with uh, Dell to also see, um, because I, I see that the prices of computers that we are getting here, I mean, the consumer's price or the retail prices are like twice the price that we could get if we have a bulk purchase. So right. I, I, yeah, I spoke with Dell to see what they can do to assist the schools, if there can be a sort of program that allows the schools to make contributions and to buy in bulk that will also support the students' need. I've not gotten a favorable answer because apparently it looks like they have a, a search of, um, of a request from different companies trying to buy from them. Yeah, so okay. we're not able to get a good answer. I mean, it really seems that there are so many hurdles everywhere you turn, but you just keep fighting every step of the way to get yeah. what you know your students need and deserve. So yeah. kudos to you. I mean, it seems to be uh, a, a lot of work. Um, what would you say would be the integrated uh, innovations that you've seen in your school and in Africa in general? 
Generally, generally in Africa, um, let, me, let me talk about the challenges and I can talk about the integrations that we've done so far in terms of innovation. So in, in, in Africa, generally, the major challenge is basic infrastructure. To tell you that there are a couple of, uh, a lot of public schools down there in the rural areas who don't even have source of power into the school. They have, some might have um, science labs, but they are poorly equipped. And as such, um, the avenues, the opportunities for innovations, for creativity in the part of the students will also be below. Um, when, when you look deep into the problem, it's not mainly finance. I think it's, it's the government um, um, inability to assess assess what is needed in the education system. And that's why they are not able to give it a focus. The assessment is poor in the sense that they are not able to see into the future. We, we, are, we are working for people who will become presidents of the country, who will become governors, who will be decision makers. And we are, if we are not able to provide them what they need to make good decisions, it means that we also will not be able to have a good old age you know, for us, for most of us who are working today, who will be retired. We may be raising a future, um, I mean, a group of people who will not be able to take care of the, meet up with the challenges of the future because there is a gap between what is happening around the world and what they can assess. So if government policies were to, to be able to support, for instance, having a policy for the telecom companies to provide some kind of incentives for the telecom companies to support the education system, I think it would really help. It could be in form of tax rebates. It could be in form of other forms that, okay, if you do this for the education sector, you're gonna get this. So there could be some buyback from the government to assist the education system. Um, at the private sector level, let's say, for instance, in the private, some of the private schools are doing very well. Um, you see today a lot of extracurricular programs um, in forms of um, uh, robotics, um, coding, which is becoming um, like the norm today in Nigeria. So that again, these are, these are the push from the private schools and very little from the government school. In our school in 2017, we, we were having the big quest and we're saying to yourself, how can we create an education system that can be a lot more mind blowing for the students, that can create an avenue for students to see things that are happening in the society that they don't have the opportunity to see in class. And then we came up with a program that we call the Festival of Art and Science. So the Festival of Art and Science was for us um, a big educational exhibition that we, we brought together or, or we, we bring together um, professionals from different fields who have made tangible achievements to bring in their models for the students to see, touch and, and, and work with them. And, and we, we, wanted it, we wanted it outdoor. We wanted the children to be out of the class. So we now came up with a, a five day event a five, a full week event of learning outside the classroom. So on, during the first year, after several meetings, we came up with a team, a team that says, when science meets arts, innovations are, um, realities are innovated. Meaning for us, we, we wanted to showcase to the students 
that science alone does not make the society. Art alone does not make the society. They, they, you need both to be able to make a good society. So the five days event, we had um, like 15 cubicles outdoor with different, uh, different activities ranging from renewable energy. So we had a guy that had a, rene a renewable company came in with his models. So he brought models on solar system, models on hydro energy, models on wind power and other things and had them set up so that, you know, so for us, yes, the students could see solar panels on, on, on rooftops, but they never had the opportunity to touch, to connect by themselves and make it work. So he brought in all these and gave the students the opportunity to touch. And then we had some things on biological sciences. We had stuffs on chemistry. We had stuffs on physics. We had stuffs on all the agricultural innovations. We had stuffs on the um, creative arts. In fact, we collaborated with the University of Uyo to bring in um, their team from the fine art department and engineering department to also talk to the students. We went to the art department. We, we contacted some authors, some book authors, to come and speak to the children on how to write books and short stories and how to motivate them. And then we said to ourselves, maybe it's still going to be too, too stressful because it's full of educational things. And then we said to ourselves, OK, let's create a game center that after you've gone through the cubicles for the day, you go for refreshment. And then we created uh, a cubicle with assorted games, starting from virtual reality to computer games and to, to the local games like chairs, drafts, and all kinds of things. So once you finish for the day, you go there to refresh, and you're able to compete, um, compete with your mate. And then we now said to ourselves, OK, how do we make the startup and the closing? So someone came up with a suggestion to do um, a super opening ceremony and a super closing ceremony. And then we now brought in the parents, brought in all the professionals, and then we now did um, a small opening ceremony to tell people what we want to do with a lot of practical demonstrations. We had, we printed t-shirts, you know, for the students to show them that it's a festival, you know. So in fact, at the end of the week, you know how you could boost people in, I mean, the students' interest in learning and that, I mean, they forgot the stress in, you know, mathematics, the stress in physics and all the science subjects. We now brought them to a different level of seeing the education system, how interesting it could be. So, for instance, in some of the things you do in sciences, how is it applicable outside, how useful it could be, and some of the new innovations. So with the pandemic in place, we now had to go back to the drawing board and say to ourselves, OK, we spent a lot of money to make the big events. Our initial intention was to make, intention was to make it annually, but now we're going to do it biannually. But we still want to keep, keep the tempo and make it happen and make education interesting. Yes. Yeah. Kenneth, it's so impressive how you have uh, pulled in the entire community to be a part of the education. And th that's something that's so important that we try to do that as well here in America. But wow, you have overcome so much, but yet you haven't given up the big dream of what can be for kids. So I just love that. Thank Mark, you. we're gonna scoot over to you for a minute here. And I know that in Jamie's conversations with you, she has been impressed 
with some of the homework and projects that your school has done during COVID and that you have seen some differences from pre-COVID through COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just, just building on one of the points that, that Kenneth made about infrastructure and the importance of it, um, none of what we've been able to do would be possible without a proper infrastructure. So um, I, I can't believe the number of challenges you've had to face and, and overcome. So yeah, kudos as well. It, it's, it's really impressive. But um, yeah, I think none of the stuff we've been able to do would be would be possible without the infrastructure. So having that that learning management system in place, having uh, the one to one devices for our for our pupils. So we, we use iPads um, that that's all helped. Um, our, our pupils um, complete their remote their remote learning, but also um, it's given us ideas about how we can change homework moving forwards. Um, and just sort of linking back to, to the point you made earlier about the sort of higher order thinking skills, um, that's what we're, we're really pushing now. Um, and I think the, the technology that teachers are now confident uh, with using and pupils are now confident with using allow them to sort of express their learning in a way that that they want to show it, <clears throat> whether that's creating a video or responding to a Flipgrid, um, creating like a, a poster on ThingLink. There's just so many different ways that that they can now respond uh, to a homework. It's not so much, oh, let's teach something in a lesson. Here you go. Here's a worksheet which you can continue to apply your knowledge at home. It's just it's completely blown that apart and given teachers the confidence to to set homework and, and view homework in a different way um, and one of the one of the projects that's ongoing at the school at the moment um, is thinking about homeworks we're sort of in the process of building it at the moment but thinking about homeworks is more of a, a project and giving the giving the children the choice so we could have a choice board where this year these are the sort of five or six different topics or projects that you might like to have a go at as part of your homework that's sort of on top of the sort of the regular uh, maths and literacy that they might do this is more the sort of um, enrichment activities um, so they can go away and having those devices uh, which they can take home having the infrastructure at home means that they can work on these these projects in in their own time um, and I think they're just a lot more more purposeful really um by, by giving them that time to really think about what they are what they are learning and are you finding better engagement when students have this choice in what they can do definitely i mean i think children just naturally are creative um i think there's as long as you can ignite that little spark in them they will then they, they will show you what what they can do um and i think by giving them that choice and giving them these just these additional tools. It's not a replacement. Um, I keep saying that to our teachers. Don't don't view the technology as something um, that needs to replace everything you're doing. It's just something else that you can now use um, in your whole uh, variety of tools that you've got to help you with teaching. It's something else that you can use to to um, set projects and and set this homework. Um, and I think I mean one of the other things that we're we're sort of thinking about as well is um flipped learning and i know that sort of that phrase is used quite a lot but we haven't really got stuck in with it as much but i think the the thing that stuck out to us the most from remote working or remote learning is um teachers have created so many resources now um whether that's a, a pre-recorded video for a, an asynchronous lesson or whether it's a recording of your zoom or, or your team's live lesson um that can easily be edited down and something that you can use over the next few years um 
so see the the children can watch these videos at home um they can try a, a short activity but then actually when they come into school that lesson time is can just be dedicated completely to applying what they've done and, and spend time on the more exciting projects um whether that's creating like a flip grid to explain how they've done this math sum there's just so many different things that um it, it's open teachers eyes up to they can also of course visit christine's youtube channel as well right so we're not limited we're not she, she's a phenomenon now so we we can visit her whenever we want um but and it's funny because i do flipped classroom workshops for teachers and they're interested they want to get started but sometimes they just can't figure out how to do it but just as you said now with remote learning it became obvious right so now not only are they doing it because they are remote but i think they're also able to see the great benefits of you know recycling what i've done and kids sometimes you know in person don't really feel comfortable asking questions you know they kind of and then they just don't get it and they just kind of move on. Uh, but instead now kids can stop, rewind, listen again. Um, and it, it really makes a big difference with, um, you know, mastery learning, personalization and letting kids be able to uh, chew on things and get that aha moment when they are ready to, to get there. So um, yeah, I think the classroom model really has, uh, has grown and taking on a whole new dimension, actually. The other byproduct of it is that teachers can use their time then to develop those relationships that we're finding out are so important when they are in person with students and having more time for that. So I think that's important as well. Yeah, I always ask teachers, what is the most efficient use of your classroom time? Is it just giving out the same information every period or can you give that in so that kids can work on that independently and then personalize learning face to face or if in remote during conferences so now zoom can be individual small group conferences instead so uh, it really does allow for deeper learning definitely yeah. i think build, just building on something you said there about the use of the time i think we we're back in we're back face to face now but um seesaw has been so uh, vital to our provision um, and we were using it pre-COVID but it's really really opened up um, a whole range of opportunities of what we can uh, use it for back in school um, and I think that you, by providing those videos on their little audio recordings you can allow the children to be a lot more independent and like you say you can then dedicate your time to supporting or extending those, those children uh, in that lesson time that you've got with them. Kids are independent and kids are reflective. And I think that is so important, giving them that time to be reflective, because a lot of times we just, you know, cover something, check it and keep going. And this allows us, you know, with uh, using video um, and making time for conferencing, it allows for that reflection, which is which is really important. And a lot of times we don't get to do. So that's great. So what would you all say uh, moving forward? would be one change or one uh, adaptation, one pivot that has been made by teachers and students during COVID that you think you will see keep in place. Um, Christine. Yeah, um, definitely the collaborative ways of using technology. Um, we also have really started um, using Jamboard 
because we're we're now remote again. And so that's just been a really helpful tool. So yeah, just the collaborative opportunities for students, especially. Um, yeah, and just, I think to the opportunity to be more creative um, and to have all these avenues. And we even have our high schoolers are using Seesaw and love it. And so that just like speaks to what a great tool that is, honestly, because there's so many modalities that they can choose um, to explain themselves. And especially those students who are shy, who you know won't necessarily talk in class, they are communicating via Seesaw and Flipgrid. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really empowering students. It's allowing them to be creative. It's giving them choice in how they wanna show what they've learned. So yeah, the collaborative and the creative component of um, the technology that we now can leverage and use more effectively because of this time. I love it, I love it. Um, yeah, and actually, that's you see, so is a digital portfolio. So it does allow for that reflection, like we talked about. And um, my high schooler was using it as well. I know college kids, um, college you know professors who use it with their students too. It really is super versatile, and of course, kindergartners can use it so easily. So um, I have seen that as uh, a tool that has been used, uh, certainly leveraged well during these times, and will continue to as well. How about you, Kenneth? So for us, we we we've decided to keep or we can call it maintain most of the resources that we use during the um, the online learning and so at the end of the when we went, when we went back to the classes we had a big meeting and we said to ourselves yeah the covid exposed us to a lot of things and we, we want to continue to tap into those resources because one um, it's helping the teachers uh, in terms of having access to what they need to, to deliver to the children. It's mm -hmm. helping the students in terms of their homework and allowing them to see different perspectives that the teacher may not have given them in class. So we, we, we came up with the idea of creating an app gallery for the students and thanks, thanks to ClassLink because oh. our dream will not be a reality without the platform that you have that enables us to put together all those resources and then you know <laughs> yeah it was super when when we when we onboarded the students and the parents and the teachers everyone was so excited that they don't have to write down somewhere or save in their bookmarks you just go to ClassLink and you can yeah. go to anywhere you want in the world so that's, that was quite super. So that's making the children excited. And it's easy for us. If you have, if we have any new resource that we, we want to introduce to the students, we throw it in there and everyone can assess it. So that's, that's what we want to keep doing to create um, a portfolio whereby within your mind, you know that when you go there, you'll get what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. That's so it's so great because there are so many resources. Sometimes people forget that you have something, right? You tried something and then you move on to something else, you forget about it. Yeah. But when it's all right there in one place, then you continue to leverage it. So that's a that's a really good point. Good. All right. And Mark, what about you? Um I think for us, the the one thing that we really want to keep pushing on is is the student journals and encouraging that collaboration and reflection on them. Um, we're having, I mean, one of our departments, the history department, um, they're sort of leading the way in this at the moment. Um, and they, they're sort of 
they're pushing everything paperless, but it's not just to, to put it all online. It's because they, they've seen um, all the different things that they can do online, all the rich content that children can create, they can create and they can host um, online and, and share with the children. So that's the sort of thing we're really focusing on. And I think the teachers as well, reducing their, their fear of accountability sometimes. I think it, some schools are still uh, very traditional. It's a lot of, oh, there must be this in an exercise book. They must have achieved this. Um, and it's just continuing to break down those fears. And I think remote learning has, has done that in so many different schools um, because they've seen the, the progress the children can still make um, and exceed some of the progress that they might have made uh, just by doing it in an exercise. But they've seen some of these online tools and, and what they can do. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it for us. We're going to keep pushing the student journals. You know, I think that's just a, such a good point. You know, when when you're in the classroom as a teacher, you feel a level of control that you need to have control over what they're learning and and the level, you know, how you're assessing. And um, I think once they were able to or they had to, they were forced into remote learning, they had to give up some of that control. And that was probably very scary but at the same time they were forced to take these risks and whenever you have the opportunity to take risks there's so much opportunity for growth and now teachers are able to see oh i can give some of that control to the students i can let go of that and i can maybe spend my time being a little bit more creative with my lessons i can do the things that i had on my list that i never got to do and while the students are taking ownership and control of their own learning so i think there was a lot of letting go that and and risk taking that allowed for some growth and as you described it's taking on and this innovation now is being able to carry on in uh, our continued learning. So thank you all so much for joining from UK and Austria and Nigeria. We are so excited. We want to continue conversations. We're going to be asking you back. So I hope you're available because we want to continue hearing about what is happening in these countries. Just as Jerry said, um, you know, in US, we're very myopic here and it's all about what's happening here, but really it's all about what's happening around the world. So uh, we want to continue making these connections and we thank you all so much for joining and teaching us and letting us hear about what is happening in your countries and in your schools with your teachers and students. As we talk about the silver linings, what I heard today, the silver linings are using new tools for creativity, collaborating and higher level thinking. And I think those are all the skills our students are going to need to solve the world problems that they face. And Christine, you set us up with those from the very beginning. <laughs> you, you told us that's what they're doing and then everyone elaborated on that. It's just so interesting to hear how we are using these same ideas around the world in many different ways. So thank you so much for joining us. And for our listeners, if you would do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and so you don't miss any of our episodes coming forward. We also, um, Christine, Kenneth and Mark, are you on social media? Can people follow you out there? Yes? Yes, yes, yes. All right, so you wanna to tell us how they can follow you, Christine? Yeah, my YouTube channel is where I put most of my uh, content. 
Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Is that called what the what the what the tech is that yours or is that that's so cute? First of all, so no, that, yes, I love that title. <laughs> what the tech? So they could uh, just Google what the tech and find Christine. So it's actually under my my name. So if they Google Christine Cypress, they'll find my YouTube channel and then all my playlist in there. And that's one of the playlists. So that's Perfect. great. We'll put that in the show yeah. notes. Kenneth, how about you? So on social media, you can follow me on Maryland Prestigious International Schools. All right. Yeah. Excellent. And Mark, I know you're on social media. <laughs> yeah, I think Twitter is probably the best one to find me on. Uh, I haven't yeah. quite delved into the, uh, the depths of YouTube yet, but uh, yeah, do follow me on Twitter. It's just Mark Goldtalk. Okay, very good. Well, thank you all for joining us today and we loved hearing from you all. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.